Hello, lovely people. Welcome to Walkie Talkie. I am here with uh, Abigail. And I'm here with Jochem. This is a podcast for students where each week we discuss a topic related to student life or whatever else is going on in our lives. We review a topic and speak of our experiences with it and it's a great way to relax between your studies. And yeah, the podcast is uh, called Walkie Talkie because, oh well, yeah, uh, we walk and talk. And the topic for this week's episode is AI. Uh, Abigail, today we are talking about a very... Um, requested topic by people um, and you know just some something for us to talk about which is uh, AI or artificial intelligence um, again right we are a podcast both for students but also for general public and I think generally people are interested in this now especially with the rise of chat GPT mm-hmm. um, and more and more people are using AI basically we're already using AI a lot in our daily lives but there is lots of sort of misunderstanding and also uh, amongst students mm-hmm. right on um, uh, how to use it, what's the availability, and there's lots of sort of uh, pros and cons, and people are either for it or against it. And I think uh, from a personal perspective, my role, I do research on AI and implementation, in particular in the case of uh, a system developed to help lawyers uh, understand legal documents, mm-hmm. uh, court documents particularly, and analyze them and things like that. So I've, I've spent the, now about, what is it, nine twenty? Yeah? five years or so studying AI. So I know a little bit about it and I think it would be good uh, you know, to talk about it in general and also talk for students uh, about you know, AI and ChatGPT and mm-hmm. how you should use it. And uh, just to make sure you know, that everybody keeps listening, I'm definitely not against ChatGPT. I think it's a wonderful invention and students should use it. And I hope that I can give some tips together with you right, on how to use it well. Um, because there's also some risk and dangers to it. But first, I was just interested, uh, because before, you know, you said already you don't know a lot about AI. How do you define AI? What is AI, artificial intelligence, for you? Um, Yeah, like I said, I don't know much about it. But for me, AI is basically like teaching a a computer to be intelligent, Mm -hmm. or like programming it to be intelligent. Yeah. That's my sort of... And what do you mean with intelligent? Sort of being able to grasp concepts maybe mm-hmm. um and compute definitions um it, it doesn't have the kind of emotional intelligence qualities of a human being mm-hmm. well, i don't think it does anyway um it doesn't have those sort of sentient qualities but it definitely has sort of um the what i, I always think of the word like computational kind of qualities of being able to convert things yeah that's kind of my understanding yeah yeah, exactly. I think you know, that's also where some of the things like because you're saying it doesn't have those sentient qualities, mm-hmm. right? Of you know having an emotion, but then it can sort of you know also ChatGPT, for example, you know it can respond to emotions in a certain way, like you know other people would do mm-hmm. as well. It maybe doesn't feel them, like, but it doesn't, so. set, for example, look into someone's eyes and feel love. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like that kind of quality that makes you essentially human. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I see that. So that's sort of, yeah, that, that I guess, neural sort of emotional mm-hmm. thing, right? And in terms of 
uh, all kinds of uh, hormones or whatever. It doesn't have that because it's a machine. Right? It doesn't have those sort of organs to be able to do it. But its output, to some extent, right? Um, so this is a feeling, right, that you have. But you know, when you're describing it, you're also describing it in words. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I understand the exact same thing as you when you say feeling loved, right? We don't understand because I can't feel as you feel. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you also putting it out into words and AI could also do that, right? It can put it out into words and then, you know, so the output is perhaps the same. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, oh, here's my anyway again, right? Uh, <laughs> that is, um, that's my stop work. Uh, no, that's, but yeah, no, I see your point. Uh, yeah, you know, sort of in terms of emotions and that, yeah, feeling generation or so that it doesn't have that sort of element. It doesn't have energy. It has no energy level, mm -hmm. has no sort of um, vibration, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good, right? That you're describing it like all of these human sort of uh, tendencies or things that, that you're feeling. But then on the other hand, it is intelligent to some extent, mm. right? So we should probably then decouple that from these sorts of feelings. Mm -hmm. So it's intelligent in thinking, but not so much in feeling. Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. A little yeah. bit. All right. Anyway, I think, uh, and yeah, as you were saying, there are now, um, in general, also in research, we sort of look at two types of AI. Um, and there are various also technologies. And, uh, you know, I am not a computer scientist, but, you know, so they will probably uh, say a lot more about that. But I will just make sure what I see in, in our research is that you have um, basically more traditional programmed AI. Mm -hmm. uh, and we call those rule-based uh, systems. So those are systems that, uh, basically, our human knowledge translated into software code. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, for example, you see that with, uh, let's say, ATMs, right? Uh, it used to be like a person doing that, right? Giving you the money. Okay, you get, I want 50 uh, pounds. Okay, here's 50 pounds. And mm -hmm. I put it from your credit and blah, blah, blah. Now, you can automate that, right? Uh, and you can do that in a rule-based software. So, basically, you describe the rules in which some sort of action, transaction in this case happens and the limits to it, et cetera, et cetera. So you program all of the rules into it. So what it should do and all of the conditions and whatnot. That's very traditional rule-based AI. So basically if you're a software coder, those are the things that you typically do. Yeah. You're just automating. Now, they're currently with the rise of machine learning technology, which is the one that you were referring to as well, where a technology is self-learning, right? It's learning itself mm -hmm. um, on the basis of lots of input data. And this is where really currently the hype is coming from and all of these new technologies that we are now seeing in mm -hmm. image generation and, and also ChatGPT. These are machine learning systems. Um, and so what they do, instead of having that human knowledge put into software code um, by a person, like what we have with the ATM example, is what they do is they are self-learning so to basically create their own rules. Mm -hmm. So often what we give them is an output and an input. So we say, okay, here comes a person and uh, the output is $50. And then it will learn itself sort of what it's all about mm -hmm. and what it needs to do. And so it can make decisions by training. Mm -hmm. um, and this is machine learning. Um, and yeah, this is really where this, this rise of new things is coming about, that self-learning on the basis of data, right? And large amounts of data. So also, uh, you know, the whole rise of cloud computing and just us generally with our phones mm -hmm. and everything and storing data, the rise of the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Because things like ChatGPT, they're 
training data is the internet. So mm -hmm. everything that we have generated, uh, this AI has been trained on. Uh, so that sort of rise yet yeah, really made it into that machine learning. Now, so what's what is what's deep learning? So you have machine learning and deep learning. Is the deep learning the one where you input stuff, or is that something else? Um, I would say that deep learning is a style of machine learning, okay. or it's the other way around. I'm not really sure. My my colleague uh, Zoe knows more about this. He has a particular very mm -hmm. definition, but I think deep learning is just a style of machine learning. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, you know, we could ask ChatGPT actually this question. Shall we do it? <laughs> sure. Just to make sure. Because it's my kind of understanding that you need both machine and deep learning to actually have a complete AI uh -huh. Yeah. So. Let's just uh, ask ChatGPT. It can help us in this uh, thing. I don't know if this wasn't on because I've got the glasses on, so I can't see if it is on. It is on. Um, <coughs> difference machine learning and deep learning. Should we ask it, why are you the way you are? <laughs> we can do that. Uh, here, here we go. Uh, it's generating now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, take some time. Anyway, machine learning and deep learning are both subsets of artificial intelligence. Well, we already knew that, but there are some fundamental differences. Um, machine learning involves the use of algorithms and statistical models. Let me just quickly see. It's too, sh it's too long, this answer. But in short, I need to answer to this. <laughs> machine learning is a broader field that encompasses various techniques for enabling machines to learn from data. Deep learning is a specific subset of machine learning that focuses on artificial neural networks uh, to model and solve complex problems. And that is the idea that uh, it's also based on, on this training that you um, try to create, the machine creates correlations between a given output and a given input. And now if you give it millions of outputs and inputs, like for example with image recognition, mm -hmm. right, an AI can learn um, how to uh, tell if a picture is an elephant or a bear, and has done that by millions of pictures, which have been tagged by humans to say mm -hmm. this is an elephant, and then it will train itself to learn to recognize, uh, you know, an elephant mm -hmm. in this case. So, um, but the, the neural network is sort of the idea that it creates layers of um, of variables on which it's deciding why it is mm -hmm. a uh, an elephant. So, for example, it recognizes, you know, that it needs to be gray, but then also that, uh, uh, you know, it needs to be white or whatever. And it, it gets all these variables. It creates that in layers mm -hmm. of abstraction, and on the basis of that, it tries to make a decision. That's the the uh, um, neural network sort of type of learning. Okay. Um, and so it's a subset of machine learning. So you have AI, machine learning, and uh, and uh, uh, deep learning. Okay. That's and then I would say also that from AI, you have also a very traditional AI, which is like the rule base that I spoke of at the beginning. So just to make this a little bit sort of to put it tough, a calculator, right? For me, that is AI. A traditional calculator that you used mm. at school in math, that is AI for me. Mm -hmm. It's a rule-based AI, it's very traditional, but it is AI. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's part of that. And this is also how I see ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. I interpret it as a calculator. Now look, it's much more advanced than a <laughs> traditional calculator. And it's not based on rule-based, right? Because rule-based systems is like three plus three is six. That's just a rule. Right, we encoded that into the calculator, and therefore it can do these calculations. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, machine learning thing, right, that has developed its own rules. So we don't really know. 
if we ask ChatGPT how much is three plus three, mm. we don't really know how it knows that that is six. So that's a core difference between a calculator and a machine learning system that we can't really, we don't know how it's processing. Whereas in a calculator, we have uh, given it the rules to do the mm. processing. Okay. Yeah. So those are the sort of the two branches, the basic sort of branches. Um, now, the, the thing is, though, that what's also interesting, by the way, is that you have a difference so between the automation, right, that I spoke with the calculator, for example, and you have what is called augmentation. Now, you, you are a British uh, dictionary. What does augmentation mean, do you know? To augment something? I want to say to change something or to take something to be either bigger or smaller. Exactly. I'm thinking of like breast augmentation. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm thinking of, like a surgery. All right, yeah. Well, it's pretty amazing because you're actually almost citing the dictionary, the Oxford or whatever dictionary. <laughs> it's, yeah, to enhance or enlarge something, okay. to add to something, to supplement to something. Um, and so what, what's currently a lot of research is about is, uh, the you know, to, to take AI's augmenting human capabilities mm -hmm. and vice versa. So we don't only do like, you know, we try not to automate everything, but we try to sort of enhance the overall mm -hmm. performance. Um, um, and for example, you know, something like a self-driving car, uh, currently it, that doesn't exist yet, right? A fully self-driving car, also for rules and regulations, we're not gonna talk about that, but you have, for example, cars that have these lane um, sort of technology that will keep you in a lane when you're on the highway, right? It will sort of self-correct you to keep you in the lane. This is a perfect example, I think, of augmentation. So you as human are sort of still driving the car, but the AI is keeping you in the lane. So you are helping and enhancing each other in the in the driving. It's like a step up of cruise control. Wow, you were just it's a step up. Yeah, cruise control is even better, right? That's yeah. also a, a very good example. It's also augmentation. Mm -hmm. It's helping you to keep speed mm. and you need to be, you know, you can focus more on driving mm. and that's better for both, right? Um, so yeah, the performance is that. But over time, right, that idea of self-driving cars really, mm. uh, which, you know, certain car manufacturers are quite far with, then you're turning it from augmentation to automation, right? That mm. you don't even need to sit at the wheel anymore. You're just chilling and that's, mm. then it becomes automation. So then it becomes a calculator. Well, not because it's still based on machine learning, but anyway, it becomes more automated mm. than that. Although when you're calculating, you're also, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, um, so what's important is that um, AI, all right, it's very different on the types of tasks that you use it for. So as you can see, right, calculation, that's pretty bounded space, right, in which decisions need to happen. Mm. So rules are quite stable and, you know, there aren't really sort of weird things going on. So it's really about bounded and non-ambiguous, very routine, like the ATM thing, right? Routine tasks. AI is really good at that. Now, at the moment that things become more, um, you know, less routine uh, and they become uh, more ambiguous uh, or, you know, non-routine yeah, non and uh, less bounded, mm. then AI has more difficulty because the spaces in which it needs to make the decisions are, you know, multi-interpretable or whatnot. And therefore, I think augmentation is really good. Okay. So then you have that sort of combination of human and, and, and AI that can work really well together. Now, um, as I was saying, right, AI is everywhere. Um, but yeah, so can you think of some more examples where AI is for you in your daily life? Yeah, I guess so. Any sort of algorithm on, on a social media yep. platform. Yeah. 
Um, maybe like certain things in hospitals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not my day to day life. I'm just thinking about random things. Yeah, like what? Um, like maybe certain equipment that does scanning or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like radiology yeah. scanning, etc. Typically, they have AI tools sort of helping mm-hmm. them. The other day I was in the bus and I was sitting sort of, you know, close to the driver in like these front seats. And actually I also saw that they have mirrors outside the bus mm-hmm. and there's like video. Uh, they, so they don't, they don't actually have mirrors, they have mm-hmm. cameras now, but then in the cameras they project um, how the, how the sort of what angles you're taking, right? Mm-hmm. So that's for safety purposes. And you also have that in your car, at least in my car, where you're driving and then if you're steering the wheel you sort of see where you're going in this small camera in the back and stuff like that so yeah it's in many many places because it's it's yeah predicting where you are going my car's not that advanced it's too old for that <laughs> oh well oh, well it's not really true because if you take to my old ai example for example uh, your gaslight right when you're a get that's also ai it, we have said okay at this level you should start giving a light it's an artificial intelligence. I mean, I have an automatic car, so it's a little bit more robotic Boom. than your car. Exactly. I always say it's like when I have problems with a car, I was explaining to people, like, oh, it's just a gearbox problem. I'm like, yeah, but mine is more like a robot in that it has different elements than a manual car. Yeah, so exactly. It doesn't even have yeah. many gears. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't go up as many gears. Yeah, so how is that called again? If you're driving automatic, right? Yeah. Automation. Yeah. Automatic. So, yeah. you know, it's already in it. So, again, it's the knowledge of shifting. Uh, or gear shifting mm. that has been automated mm. by humans and therefore you know you can say that if you drive an, an uh, automated shift mm. car then yeah you're using AI mm. it can be that simple so actually it's, it's already if you take that example for a very long time in very many places but mm. this machine learning thing right that's what really making changes now is that it's uh, not anymore based on what we have taught it to mm-hmm. do but it's teaching itself to do certain things yeah or even like transcripts is it like AI, like Otter AI? Yeah, Otter.ai. Or something yeah. like that. Well, yesterday I was trying to do like a, a video and I was like, it would be really good if I could do like some AI art of myself or something like oh, that. Yeah. And I put my name into this like AI generator and mm-hmm. apparently this is what I am meant to look like or it thinks I look like. Oh, no. Which is far better than me. <laughs> okay, interesting. What's the blue stuff? I don't know, actually. I wonder if it's like wall that, paint or something. Or maybe it was the key cord you were wearing or something like that. There's like two things. There's this one and then this one, which is like very sweet. Looking. Weird. Okay. But this is just based on your name. Yes. Yeah. All right. But you need to give it more. But then I also, because I was doing a video for our YouTube thing, I mm-hmm. did yours, but you came out as a woman. And I was like, well, that's not correct, is it? Well, let's, you, you know. as a very <clears throat> pretty woman. All right. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries and i think i will look like a really pretty woman <laughs> if there's any distinction between men and women which i don't think uh, but anyway there is but well not really uh, anyway let's not talk about that now um but yeah so as you can say ai is everywhere right but again right the chat gpt this is why what we're talking about today this has be, really been a massive change also um in in yeah many lives of students um and also, by the way, in podcast making, because, you know, just as a small disclaimer, I've, I thought when we were making this, right, we were like, okay, let's use also ChatGPT to help us a little bit in creating this podcast. Um, 
So yeah, I've been uh, I've been ChatGPT has been helping me right to make this podcast a little bit more you know sort of relaxed. And you know I don't want to talk too much, so I also uh, without <laughs> you knowing this, uh, just before we start, I asked AI uh, ChatGPT to write me a couple of jokes. Oh God, where's the creativity? Where's oh, the, well, let's see. Where's the passion? <laughs> let's see what you think. All right, here I'll give you one joke. Okay. Um, what do you call <laughs> an AI that is just okay? I don't know. Artificial mediocrity. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I feel like that makes sense, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are better. Okay. Oh, here's one that I already... Um... <clears throat> All right. This is a good one, too. Uh, why don't AI algorithms get jokes? They take everything literally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks ChatGPT for that. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we've been we've been using. Have you been using ChatGPT by the way? Uh, no, only only to try it out. I only want to try right. it, but I don't. And what did it. you try? Um, I wanted to basically ask it some questions that I use in my thesis. So, like, you know, how does Disney use synergy to blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, uh, what are the main um, areas of competitive advantage in this particular thing between, say, Comcast and Disney? Mm -hmm. um, or something, um, what are the weaknesses of this company's R&D department compared mm -hmm. to this thing? Okay. It's very much like stuff I would just find on Google, really. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it does come up with a straightforward thing. And it, me and my supervisor were talking about this, actually, because we're marking essays at the moment. And I said, you know, what do you think about ChatGPT? Are you worried about it? And he said, like, no, not really, because I feel like I can spot... It can spot the patterns, and I've seen this a lot. Actually, people saying you can actually spot the simplicity of it almost, mm -hmm. the way that it's written, or the generic sort of form you lay of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I I don't really use it a lot, although I might do. And I have a friend who's like, you know, you should use it to your advantage. And I'm like, I know, but yeah, well, I think you're right, and and maybe you know, let's get to that topic then on 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 ChatGPT. So and students, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know ChatGPT, you can use it online, and it's basically a language model, uh, which has been trained by internet data, uh, and that means massive amounts of internet data mm -hmm. to learn. Um, so what it does, it takes all that text data that's on on the internet, and it vectorizes that, mm -hmm. which means that basically it translates it into numbers. And it creates connections between words so that it knows, for example, sentences. Um, so uh, what it can do, for example, is that you say a word like, uh, you know, milk or something, and then it will know which words are most likely to be amongst it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can create all these connections uh, across it. I'm doing this very half stuffy now, how I'm explaining it. But yeah, therefore, it's also able to understand what you give them as a prompt and what you probably mean that you want, and it will give you that output based on that. So, so you give it a question, mm -hmm. and it will actually understand that question, right? Okay. Will, because it knows the connections between words, mm -hmm. but then it also knows what you want it to do because mm -hmm. of these connections between words, and then it uses okay. all of that internet to check for more connections between the words, like your, for example, what's the thing of Disney? And then it will look at you know all of the sources, mm -hmm. Disney and, that, and those words, and then it will create and sort of try to summarize that in some sort of points. Mm. 
this is uh, you know somebody else should explain the technology it's also pretty boring but yeah it, it changes basically words into something that you can well, calculate I don't think it's boring i think it's interesting no. i don't know anything all about right that, so. Well, and I also asked ChatGPT to read it, but the text is too long, so I can't explain it. Um, but here, let me say, overall, ChatGPT's ability to generate human-like text is based on its sophisticated machine learning algorithms and the massive amounts of training data it has been exposed to. Um, you know, it doesn't really say anything. <laughs> so this this comes to your point that it stays very generic, right, mm. in, in lots of things. And it doesn't really go deep into things because it also probably has difficulty doing that. Uh, because it's uh, again, it's it's limited by the, the data that it's uh, been trained on and what it can do. But yeah, it learns sequences of words and on the base can predict also sequences of words. Mm -hmm. So once it when it gives you this beautiful output, right? Like, oh, here are five points. Uh, it's not you know thinking, huh? but it's doing predictions, which is you know it's predicting something it's never thought of something it's never sort of there's not like a person generating something it's just a bit purely based on prediction it reminds me of aquarius man very uh -huh. robotic generic answers will tell you what you think you want to hear mm -hmm. <laughs> void of emotion <laughs> yeah well and um that's what... a joke i like aquarius people it's a joke <laughs> oh but this is what it is right because it's it's in that in that respect it has uh, yeah, it makes predictions and therefore it does the most likely thing. And the most likely thing is probably something that's super generic because that's... Oh my God, where was ChatGPT founded? I don't no, know. This is important oh. because... Shall I write it? I, I looked at most car manufacturers and they were all cancers. So I thought it was really interesting. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I wonder. All right, we're going to go into star science. No, no, no I'm only mentioning it because Aquarius like rules like technology. And I just find it really fascinating. December 2015. December when, though? I will ask December when, though. Released in November 2022. Oh, yeah, released, right? But the company you asked for when it was founded. Initial release date was my birthday. Ah. Such. <laughs> Interesting. The specific date of its founding within the month of December is not publicly disclosed. So I can't help you with that. Oh, but then it could be a Capricorn, which would make sense as well, because Capricorns are very be uh, So you're saying now, organizations have for the regular listener you know we <laughs> often have conversations about star science you're saying organizations have no, star science i like to do it because like ai i like to see patterns between things right yeah, yeah. so you know i often find that most car manufacturers or any technology company are all water signs which is interesting mm -hmm. because you know it seems to be the opposite um but it's just because it reminded me that Aquarius rules technology, and then I just thought. I'm just asking ChatGPT now which star sign is ChatGPT? Uh, as an artificial intelligence language model, I, ChatGPT, do not have a birthday or astrological sign, as I am not a living being. Oh. I am a computer program. So it's a Capricorn then. <laughs> created by OpenAI, <laughs> and do not possess personal characteristics such as those associated associated with astrological signs. I can say that because I'm Capricorn rising. People often tell me when you first meet me, you seem very mature and robotic almost. Yes, you so, are. You are very mature and robotic. A bit. Yeah. And then you get to know me, and you're like, damn, she's passionate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, yes, so... Um, Again, you see, right, it's been trained on language uh, that's available and therefore it makes predictions and therefore it comes across a little mechanical. And also you say it's very generic. And the reason it does that is that because in the generic information, right, it has the highest 
chance, quote unquote, uh, to make the right prediction, right? It has the highest chance to to say something that's correct. Um, so it might also have, you know, it could also say certain things that, and then based on um, lower accuracy, it won't do that. Mm. So it, therefore it's generic because it will always be right. Mm. The, the words it chooses are generic because then it will always be right mm. um, because you can interpret it in multiple ways. So therefore it will stay on that high level, mm. um, which is something that, as you see, right, we see now also, and which is a segue to the student section of this podcast, is what we see if students are using it in their work, mm. which I highly recommend doing, by the way, I'm not against it at all because I see it as, you know, something that sparks creativity, sparks interest, sparks, you know, ideas. But if you're just using ChatGPT, and this is the warning for students, right? If you're just asking it a question and directly copying the text in, um, you know, you're going to either fail or marginally pass. Um, and if you're okay with that, fine with me. Uh, but, you know, you won't get higher because it keeps you at that generic level of thinking, um, which is a level of thinking that most students already have and that you're expected so to have. So have like the critical thinking or, you know, the yes. ability to explore those kinds of higher level concepts. Exactly. Or, or create linkages between yeah. things and compare and contrast. So this is also what I tell students, right? If you, it, it has, it shows comprehension understanding what you mean and and it shows some analysis even but critical evaluation is really where it's lacking in because it stays so generic right it doesn't go deep into topics uh, but you can ask it to give you more and more detail of course can i interpret meaning from from something um for example if i asked it to interpret the meaning of a clock in great gatsby would it be able to tell me that or i'm just thinking of like you know students of, of different kind of Mm -hmm. topics you know yeah. i asked it what does this particular element of a mise-en-scene part of the film mean i don't think it would be able to do that i don't know ask here try <laughs> okay what, what are you saying about the grid gatsby maybe you can try that i put dies instead of does Just put the great. Just put the great gaze be. That's <laughs> another thing. Um. No, it doesn't have touchscreen. You're such a Windows person. Oh my god. Jesus. That's because I'm on my iPad normally. <clears throat> in the novel, the great gatsby, the clock plays an important symbolic role, representing the passing of time and the inevitability of change. A clock appears several times at the novel, most notably in the scene where oh, I can get some Google. It was after we started with Gatsby This creates a sense of melancholy and nostalgia, which is a recurring theme throughout the novel. Mm -hmm. The clock in the Great Gatsby represents the fleeting nature of time, the ability of change, and the possibility of recapturing the past. Okay, right. one, one more. What's your first impression on this answer? Uh, I could put it on Google and it'd give me the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not that impressed? No. Uh -huh. All right. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I mean, that would be a, a good point to put in an essay for an exam. Exactly. Right. But you would have to put, you know, something else to kind of like... Um, yeah, do something more, right? This uh, this is just one point. I mean, it does include a quote, which is good, but... Oh, well, yeah, all right. But then you could ask, you can you include a quote? Include more quotes, You yeah. can do that. No worries. Um, let me think of something else that I don't think it would know. 
It will now, I'm telling you. <laughs> no worries. It will give you a very generic answer on everything like this. This is a, a Google thing, that, so it will give you the answer. Um, <laughs> really random. What is the mise-en-scene, which means basically everything in like a, in a scene in a shot. Um, oh God, I don't like not having to, to touch the screen. In the film, fucking driving Ryan Gosling, why not? Ryan Gosling, we love him. <laughs> and? Hang on, I'm reading it. So, okay, for example, the film's frequent use of slow motion and neon lighting gives it a sense of surrealism and heightened reality, or the colour palette of blue, pink and yellow evokes a sense of nostalgia and nostalgia. I said mm. that twice. Um, it's played as a stoic and mysterious figure and the mise-en-scene is used to reinforce his characterization. For example, the film frequently shows Driver in close-up with his face partially obscured by shadows. And was also important aspect of mise-en-scene. Overall, the mise-en-scene is used to create a sense of atmosphere and style that supports the film's themes of violence, isolation and yearning for connection. Film style is visuals and use of colour, lighting and camera angles all work together. Okay, fair enough. And? <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, you won't find an answer like this on Google because it's using multiple sources and combining it, right? But that's what I'm saying. You know, what, I suppose the difference is it saves time when you're going onto Google and looking at various articles and taking bits and bobs from yeah. the articles. So that's a good time-saving thing. Yeah. But as you said, it's it cocked up with the fact you put nostalgia and nostalgia. Yeah. So it didn't write that correctly. All right. Well. So I'm not. I'm just. I'm not like picking fault. I'm just saying, like, it's not like if you copy and pasted that, then I would say there was a mistake. Yeah. Look, and so this is why I think what you. Yeah. Okay. There's a mistake. But anyway, um, sure. Students make mistakes too. So, but it's more. You know. I think again. If I were a student, I would take su such input like this to be your. You know, your help and your starting guide, so to say. But like this, you know, this is too. Uh, abstract too generic you know this mm. this doesn't show any sort of you know deeper thinking or creative no thinking thing particular scene into which this has happened no or? but also more again like what is critical evaluation right so are you critically evaluating something mm. here um you know so you could also say okay uh you know uh, what's wrong about it? What's good about it? Mm. Uh, how does it relate to something other mm. film? And then you also need to know the film, right? And you, so there's so much more thinking that that's going on that you could add to it uh, by yourself as a, as a as a person. It's good for getting like the general gist of something or like a theme. Yeah. So if I was tutoring something, because often I tutor people that want exam prep, and sometimes I haven't even read the damn book. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, get the themes of it, and then I can help sure. them relate this. So I read yeah. that stuff and say, okay, but maybe you could have used this. So I could use it for that. Yeah. Um, and that wouldn't be a problem. No, exactly. And, you know, so it's helping you to do certain things, right? But you need to still add to it, mm. uh, help it do. And this was my definition of augmentation, mm. if you remember, right? It, it's helping, enhancing. And adding towards, you know, certain things. Yes, you could Google it, all of this, but it will take more time. Here it's already summarized. And it, if you are a good student, right, that has been working along and has been studying, this you can use as input mm. to your own thinking. And maybe even use text from it, right? Totally fine. Put it into Word and start adding to it. So really see it as if you are that person driving a car and then having, you know, you're being pushed in cruise control. So this is your cruise control the chat GPT, and you still need to do the driving, pay attention to everything, make sure that you actually choose a location where you're going to, all of those sorts of things. That is your role as a person, but to use it 
for creativity as an input towards what you're doing. This is how I would use AI. And also, how am I encouraging people to do it? You have a cleaner, but you still have to pay the rent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go. You have a cleaner, but you still need to pay the rent. I think that's a good point. Yeah. So you can use it as, you know, input and, you know, don't stick to it. And that is the problem that um, if you use it and copy paste it, um, you know, it's it's not so generic because probably other people have also included it, not from JGPD necessarily, but they have also included. And there is... Um, nothing that shows particular learning mm. uh, right, and personal learning into it because it's so so mechanical. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would really use it for, you know, to spark something with yourself and then to enhance your thinking further. Um, the problem is that uh, one of the things is that if you only use ChatGPT, that you're not learning. So that means that you can also not add and enhance it anymore. But most people, I feel like most people just want to get a qualification so they can get a job. They don't really care about learning. So if that was you, that'd be okay. If you actually want to learn and you have the capacity for that, then maybe you wouldn't want to use it. I don't know. Yeah. And this is something that, that I think is important to talk about because now we've sort of covered ChatGPT and how I would use it for your exams, assessments, etc. right? And how you can use it, use it as a source of inspiration, but don't forget to add to it. Now that adding part, right? Uh, this is what you learn when you are in an educational setting, right? You learn to think critically. Mm -hmm. As we said, this AI misses critical thinking and this is what you're learning to think critically. Um, now, some people you say, right? Okay, you just wanna pass and then start working in an organization. Now, let me tell you that organizations, they don't give shit about what you have learned in a, in a university. They don't care if you read, if you, for my course, for example, you know, if you know any strategic concept that I have explained in my in my uh, in my module, they don't care about it. They don't care what you know. What they care about is that you can critically evaluate, mm. that you're able to contrast, compare, think critically about concepts that you get. Don't just bluntly accept mm. something that the teacher is saying, but you actually say, "Hey, you're wrong," all right? Or can't you see it like this? Mm. Or shouldn't you also take that other framework in and connect it to? That's critical thinking. That's what jobs, uh, what organizations hiring, that's what they want. They don't care what you learn. They don't pay for comprehension. They pay for critical evaluation. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm seeing as being the risk as a teacher for students that use this a lot, is that they will not have that capability anymore. They won't learn to be able to critically evaluate. And then once they go on the job market, they may get hired, but they will also get fired because they can't critically evaluate things. They're not able to make decisions um, to uh, you know, be against the point just for the sake of being against it because they haven't learned to think critically. It kind of, it just made me think of that sort of like, you know, social media and thinking critically about certain things you see on social media and that certain algorithms will push out certain information mm -hmm. or certain mm -hmm. misinformation. And, you know, there's a lot of people, especially these days, that don't have the capacity to think critically about what they're seeing, about whether this is true or not, yep. if this is actually something that is uh, going to benefit them. And, you know, especially with things like... Um, uh, what's, uh, what's something that I can use? Uh, so take COVID, for example, mm -hmm, or the misinformation mm -hmm. that came with COVID yep. and sort of how that was pushed out or the fact that certain things are silenced um, and people are not able to think critically about things because they are silenced immediately because they're perceived as being misinformation when actually that's not always true. Mm -hmm. So, it, and then things like elections as well. 
you know, you're reading stuff that's not necessarily true about either party or whatever. Um, And, you know, that only ever comes out into like mainstream media. So you only ever see that, for example, and this is just an example, I'm not actually saying this is true, that Biden is great and Trump is terrible when that's not necessarily true. You know, there's certain elements to different sides of this argument, but you may only see one of them because you're sort of not able to think critically about either side. Yeah, surely, you know, different people have different political opinions, so that's totally fine. Mm. And um, but the problem is with algorithms, as you're saying, is that, you know, they want to be accurate. So they want you to give you the output that you want. Mm. So if they figured out that you're a supporter of Biden or if you're a supporter of Trump, you will get that information. Mm. Um, And, you know, you will get more and more of it because that's what you want, which is fine. But as you already see, right, that people that follow that they miss the capability to think critically, mm. to think, okay, is there might be another point to this? Is, is what I'm hearing just one side of the story? Uh, should I look for more information? And people that have learned to think critically, um, like, I guess, people that have followed higher education, uh, hopefully, if they were, you know, if they had that possibility, they should be able to think critically, mm. hopefully. Um, because they, and, and, you know, that they can see also to search further than what they're getting from the algorithms and that you can spot fake news and that you can spot fake pictures, right? That you understand that this is not the truth. Um, now, what I'm saying is that with, uh, you know, this as becoming part of educational systems, mm. that the risk that people in education lose their ability to critically evaluate mm. things becomes higher. Because you're just accepting, right? You're not thinking anymore. And that's what I'm saying. It affects other things in your life as well, about being able to vote, being able to make choices for your health. But it it carries on into your life in all areas. It's important to be able to do that. I I was kind of backing up your point in in that way. (laughs) No, no, but you're doing it in a really good way in the the sense that, and I'm I'm worried about that personally, Mm. um, because you already see what the effects of lack of critical evaluation are Namely, you see that in places like YouTube, places like Facebook, where people are tunneled into information things and they can't see that they're in a bubble of information, right? So they lack the critical evaluation to see that and to perhaps also try and understand different points or, you know, look at other things. And this is true for me as well. Huh? I probably am also in this bubble already. Um, so everybody's in a bubble and the less critical evaluation you have, uh, the diff- more difficult uh, it will become to realize that, and therefore you're then you know sort of stuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried that you know that basic capability that you learn in education to think critically, not just to comprehend, but to think critically, mm-hmm. right? To write essays, oh, it already starts in high school, right? To look up information, to uh, compare and contrast all these capabilities that make you eventually critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, give you a critical evaluation capability that those are getting lost in the coming 10, 20 years because of technology like this. Mm. So this is why I'm also against, not against using it, but I see risks of using it in that you're losing that capability. And, you know, this is not me saying, look, don't use a calculator because you won't be able to to learn how to calculate. It's not, no, use it, but use it wisely mm. and still go, you know, to lectures and whatnot to 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 think about it. Um, to, to learn how to critically evaluate. Mm. Yes, you need less time for studying and writing assessments because of this tool. Great. Now spend more time and critically evaluate. So what you now need to do is, and this is what I'm hoping that students will do, is they come to lectures, 
not to remember everything or to start working on their assessment writing because they can use tools for that to help them. Mm. But what they need to come and do is say, uh, teacher, um, I thought about this other point and how do you reflect on that? And shall we have a discussion on that? All right, so that we that we learn more critical evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. It was all just a dream. That was my thing, wasn't it? That I mm-hmm. mentioned before in the exam episode that I went to my English teacher and said, but it was all a dream. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, read the story. It's blatantly a dream. It's like, oh, real. well, yes. And he well, was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an example of being able to critically evaluate, right? To think of another point, right? A new point, a new perspective, for example. That's all critical evaluation. Uh, and look, an AI won't be able to, well, it will be able to do that, but, you know, it... Can it tell me about a quote that I've always wanted the answer to and I never know what the answer is? <laughs> what Go ahead, yeah, why me? not? <laughs> oh, God, I just accidentally put it, I just put the wrong... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, it doesn't understand. Okay, um... What does the uh, quote or line Right, okay, so I got this given this this line given to me ages ago, which is at the end of the mountain, at the edge of the peak comes a time you miss what you seek. And I've never been able to really figure it out. There you go. It will now. I'm for sure. I'm sure. It just made me think because there's a quote. I was, I was talking about dreaming, and there's a quote by Rumi, who's like a poet, who said, um, um, "Life is a dream, and only a sleeper considers it real." <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and it always like uh, sounds very wise. <laughs> ah, it doesn't know. Maybe I had in a dream. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah, can you provide more context or information about where you heard it? Um, do I have to put, like, I heard it from a... Mm-hmm. God, I feel like I'm like on, a, on a doctor's thing. Like. <laughs> oh, this is what I would learn. This is how it can give it. You, you haven't given it enough information. Which is a wellness app. I can offer some possible interpretations of the quote itself, suggests that when we finally achieve our goals and reach the pinnacle of our success, we may find that the journey and the process of striving for our goals was more fulfilling than actually attaining them. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. It implies that the pursuit of our goals is more important than the achieving of, achievement of them, and that we may feel a sense of loss or longing once we have reached the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. In a broader sense, this quote can also be interpreted as a reminder to enjoy the journey and appreciate the process of growth and self-discovery. Rather than just focusing on the end result, it encourages us to find meaning in the effort we put in and not just the outcome. Overall, the quote suggests there is a certain beauty and fulfillment in the struggle and the journey towards our goals, and this can sometimes be more valuable than the goal itself. Okay, I'm quite impressed with that. Mm -hmm. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Now, look, again, right, this this could be great. Uh, This is a great answer. And if let's say this is an assessment, it's really good. But the thing is, you see that it's it's very generic, right? Mm-hmm. So what you now need to do, if I were a student, you need to add personal experience, for example, into it, right? I saw that it's happened to me then. It made me think like this then. So looking back at that then, then you, you start creating analysis, right? You're doing critical evaluation. Um, 
Yeah. So this alone is just words, right? But you need to make it more personal. You need to add something to it. You need to create connections between things, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's how I, you know, because again, this is it's it nice, but it's still it's just generic it's, words. Yeah, and then it makes me think, you know, how, you know, the whole miss what you seek, how you miss something that you have not yet achieved. Yeah, it's sort of like the fulfillment. Yeah, of wishes. I find it interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's a good start. Yeah. To thinking about it, and then yeah, you're like it's quick starting that idea about what I think about it, and yeah. You know, you know. And now let's say what would be great, for example, is that you now also as a student, right, that you would add another explanation. Or a more outside, you know, a more novel explanation, or something else, right? That's that's something to add to it. That's the, that's the important bit, mm. I think. For me. Anyway, sorry about that. I just thought. No, no, good point. Good point. Uh, but look, one of the one of the important things, though, is that, and we need to sort of re still still really mention this, um, is that as we're saying, right? This is a prediction-based technology, and therefore it's built on. You know, calculations and, you know, um, um, regressions, algorithms, all these sort of very statistical things, right? Mm -hmm. it's, there's no person here thinking. Now, the problem with that is, is that, and um, I'm, I'm using this article here that I read yesterday when you were, uh, when we were talking. So I was thinking about this yesterday. So I just tried to put it in here by uh, Linda Baum et al. Doesn't really matter, but uh, 2022, um, 2020. Uh, but they say, you know, this AI is great at uh, formal rationality. So, you know, it's it's able to think rationally, mm -hmm. for sure, but only in a very formal way. So in, in a rule-based, rule-type array, right? Predictions, accuracy, those types of things. So it will give you insights that are most mm -hmm. accurately likely. Now, one of the things is that what they say, and they are based on, uh, on on some philosophers like Weber and stuff, is that, you know, formal rationality is not the only thing. There's also substantive rationality, which means value-based. Mm. Um, so, yeah, formal, rule-based, and value-based. Now, value-based has much more to do with, you know, um, yeah, more moral feelings, ethical feelings, judgment, stuff like that. And will it does have difficulty with that. So also when you ask it questions like that, it will polite, like, for example, more of a politically oriented question. It will likely give you an answer that I'm not, I can't give answers to that because it can, but it's likely to be polarizing. I saw this uh, article about, uh, it was in the news, basically when the whole chat GPT rise was happening mm -hmm. and they were saying they asked it to, you know, give its opinion or sort of state a, a claim about Biden and Trump. Mm -hmm. And it was glowing for Biden and terrible for Trump. And again, this is what I'm saying about there's being, it has political bias because it's fed by, it may have political bias. It may have political bias. I mean, it, yeah, and it does because it, it's fed by information it's been given. So and again, sometimes it gives, it can critical. also give two different answers, right? Mm. So if you regenerate the response, it might do the exact same thing, but then for Trump. Mm. It's just about what it at that moment thinks is most accurate. So it's not necessarily biased in itself. It's, it's, there is, there, it's, it's showing what is also going on in... Uh, in daily life, mm. right, that there are differences of opinions. Mm. And one time it will go for the one and one time for the other. But typically, I guess what they've now done is that for these sorts of value-based things, it, they, they sort of block it, that they say, all right, we're not going to give sort of arguments into polarizing discussions. So I'm sure if you'll ask it other things that, you know, are politically laden, that it will, it will say, well, I'm not getting into that point. I've not been trained for that point, stuff like that. 
it's very politically correct to some extent. Not in those early versions where there were still some bugs, but now it is. Yeah. And therefore, again, right, it's also not super exciting always because it will keep you. It will, it makes politically correct statements. But if we start using it more and more, and this is the risk that these authors that I spoke of are talking about, if we start using it, we ourselves as humans are also losing that capability to do the value-based reasoning. So we're losing our sense of being able to think creatively. We're losing it, you know, to be critical on something. Uh, and we're, you know, to also to be silly and non-practical, uh, right? To do just things that aren't necessarily rational, but just for the sake of doing it, fuck mm-hmm. it, right? And then, and one of the beauties of doing such things, like, you know, okay, I'm just going to do something crazy. You spoke the other day about walking a different route home. Mm. right which wasn't the fastest route wasn't the quickest route wasn't the best route or whatever but it was a nice route Mm. right and this is what you don't do anymore when you're using ai because there's no rational formal rational sense of doing these sort of explorations um so that's the challenge that that i see for students that use this too much is that they start losing all these capabilities of doing Mm. you know weird things and that you also need to learn and to explore and whatnot um and yeah, the and you know, just uh, what these authors are saying is, for example, that the use of AI in this sense will lose, you know, will become people more disengaged. Mm-hmm. There will become there will be increased passif- uh, pa- passivity, uh, so increased being passive, right? People are passive, right? You just get what you get, and you just take it for what it is. Right. Um, they say emotional detachment. Okay. Um, because it's not giving you that output. Decreased agency. You're not really knowing what yourself think anymore, what you need to do, etc. Um, decreased responsibility, right, for choices and things that you write and things that you say, things that you do. Increased ignorance of our needs and wants, for example. And de-skilling, right? So there's much dependency on algorithms and such. Now, yes, that's true. And that doesn't need that we need to avoid using AI altogether. We just need to learn how to work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So let's say that... Uh, that, um, yeah, you know, you have a self-driving car, but you can't drive, right? You're very, uh, yeah, there's decreased agency, increased uh, being passive, uh, you know, emotional detachment. If you, if somebody dies in front of your car, you're like, okay, I don't care. I wasn't driving. Um, well, just, you know, so decreased agency. You're not driving anymore. Decreased responsibility and uh, increased ignorance and de-skilling. You're not, you're not able to drive anymore. So all of those, not to say that we shouldn't do it, more to say that, you know, you need to be careful. Mm. So uh, as I'm saying it, use it like a calculator. Mm-hmm. This is what I should do when I, when I and what I'm encouraging students to use ChatGPT for. Mm. You don't need to tell anybody necessarily for me that you're using it. Some schools like that you make reference to ChatGPT. I use ChatGPT. Sure, you use the calculator as well. Fine, but, you know, make sure that you lo- don't lose the skill to think critically so don't lose the skill to do crazy stuff, right? To do something stupid, because this is what AI is pushing you towards mm-hmm. to not think in a stupid way anymore, for mm-hmm. example. And, you know, as we all know, the best inventions came from being stupid uh, or thinking differently. And AI will ensure that you all think in the same way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, people like uh, Einstein, etc., would be hardly against these types of technology because you don't think outside of the box anymore. You're literally thinking inside the black box that is AI. Mm. That's my point. Yeah. Cool. Um, shall I give you another AI joke? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right, another AI joke. Here we go. Um, uh, what do you call an AI that takes up too much space? A big data. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, why did the robot break up with his girlfriend? Because <laughs> she wasn't real. No, <laughs> oh, she thought he was too mechanical. <laughs> All right, here is the last one. Okay. <laughs> what do you call an AI that loves to sing? I don't know. A Siri, Nate. That's really bad. Well, yeah, that Siri. Doesn't, that doesn't even. Know. You like these types of jokes. <laughs> Normally, you think they're very good. When you had like the 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 what was it the pasta? Yeah, that was my that was me saying. Yeah, but you know the AI could have thought of that joke. It's the exact same type of jokes. I've I've used the big data one before as like a joke. Hmm. All right. And well, here's another one that's just for hardcore AI people. We didn't really discuss this yet, uh, but why did the neural network break up with his girlfriend? Its girlfriend, she was overfitting. And overfitting is a technical term for what you can do with the data. Oh my God. You're overfitting the, the, the it's model. It's like the Big Bang Theory joke. <laughs> this is really the Big Bang Theory Sheldon. joke. Yeah, probably it's a Sheldon joke. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I can give, you know, I asked uh, ChatGPT to give me some few quotes of Elon Musk's on the risk of AI. <laughs> Asking the enemy about the enemy. <laughs> yeah. um, let me give you one here. Uh, Musk says, the biggest issue I see with so-called AI experts is that they think they know more than they do. And they think they're smarter than they actually are. In general, we are all much smarter together than we are separately. I've mind. Mm -hmm. um, AI is a rare case where I think we need to be proactive in regulation instead of reactive, because I think by the time we are reactive in AI regulation, it's too late. This is what Elon Musk said in 2018. So he says we need to be proactive in AI regulation. Yeah, he said recently he was quite afraid of how fast it was advancing mm -hmm. and that he thinks it's our biggest threat, which is interesting because he spent a lot of time pushing it. Oh, he's one of the investors like, in ChatGPT, yeah. according to ChatGPT. Now, it says here, by the way, ChatGPT said that it was founded in December 2015 by tech luminaries such as Elon Musk. Yeah. So he's also part of this technology. Because he has a thing with OpenAI, right? And yeah, yeah, this is an OpenAI yeah. thing, yeah. But no, I think mostly what he's talking about is, yeah, if, if you start integrating it too much into decision making, right, um, and um, in, into, for example, also robots and stuff like that, uh, that, you know, they become um, uncontrollable um, and therefore there needs to be regulation in terms of, for example, what AI is possible and not possible uh, uh, can do, mm. right? So also how you can use, for, use it, for example, in... Uh, in armed forces, uh, or how you, um, uh, yeah, what what kind of decisions, how far they can take before we sort of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stop it. Uh, what are things, um, areas of business, for mm -hmm. example, where we can use AI, yes and no. Should we have, you know, it interpret law text, for example, is an interesting question. Should it be able to take uh, decisions on whether or not people get financial loans uh, or mortgages or stuff like that. Uh, and what are then the regulations that we want there to put in place? For example, you could put a regulation that um, whatever happens, a mortgage should always also be um, 
um, um, um, validated and checked by a, by a person so that there's also credibility to that person, accountability to that person. Those are very basic regulations mm -hmm. that you could try and sort of install. Because otherwise, you know, this AI starts taking decisions, decisions, and we don't really, mm. we can't get back. Mm. So I think he's right on that point. Yeah. You prepared a would you rather, I think? I had a quiz, but then you said you had a little would you rather. And I think I had the AI create better. a would you rather. I think that's better. So you, yeah, can, right. you can. All right. I will give you a would you rather than to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. Here we go. <laughs> would you rather, number one, would you rather have an AI assistant that can do everything for you? but knows everything about your personal life uh, or a less capable AI assistant that doesn't have access to your personal information. So it can do everything you want, mm -hmm. but it knows all your personal information or a less capable one that can't do anything you want, everything you want, but has not all your personal information. Describe personal information though. Is that like my social security number or like my weaknesses and my Yeah, feelings? your weaknesses and your strengths and your feelings. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it will do the dishes for you and clean the whole house, etc. But it also knows that, you know... It's my Achilles heel. Yeah. It's like an Achilles heel, yeah. Ah, no. A warrior's got to keep some things to their self. So <laughs> I say less capable, but then doesn't know anything about mm. me. Good point, yeah. Okay. Um, Just because I don't want it rising up against me and being like, this is your ultimate weakness. And I'm yeah, like... so it becomes, you know, at uh, at uh, <laughs> at 4.30, wake up, Abigail, I know this is your weakness. Just hold the phone up, like, this is the phone. <laughs> Damn, yeah. you got me. Shouldn't you? Yeah. All right, here's chocolate. <laughs> um, would you rather have an AI system that can predict everything you will do in the future with 100% accuracy? Or an AI system that can erase all your memories and start you off over with a clean slate. Erase memories. Erase memories? All right. Not predict everything you will do in the future. That will also be interesting to know. Um, you know, the element of mystery and surprise is a good thing. So spontaneity mm. and, you know, I think I need a full lobotomy at this point. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, memories. <laughs> One.